Welcome to Life Study of the Bible, a presentation of Living Stream Ministry. Witness Lee, a servant of the Lord for over seven decades, culminated his ministry with a 21-year book-by-book exposition of the entire Bible, which he called Life Study. This Life Study is the basis for our program today and includes short portions of the spoken messages given by Witness Lee. Now, let's join today's program. The Old Testament minor prophet Joel is an interesting book. It was quoted by Peter on the day of Pentecost, and its prophecies concerning both the outpouring of the Holy Spirit and the second coming of Christ are of great importance even to us New Testament believers. The book can be summarized into four principles. These are the consuming locusts representing the four great empires of human history, and how they have been consuming Israel for more than 27 centuries. The second principle is the suffering that this has caused to Israel and how Israel has continued to endure under this suffering. The third principle in Joel is that the church, that's us, God's New Testament people, are the beneficiaries of all this consuming and suffering. And finally, the fourth principle is that of restoration. For all the suffering that Israel has endured, There is a day coming when Israel will enjoy God's full restoration. This is Joel, a wonderful and important book that we take our final look at today. And for that, Francis Ball has joined us. Good to have you here, Brother Francis. Very good to be here, Brother, because this is quite a revelation about God's way of getting what he's after. Yeah, well, that's a very succinct summary. God uses these things, these environmental things, uh, to obtain what he is after. This is a kind of a summary program today, final program on Joel. Let's look at some of the key verses. We'll uh, go back to chapter 1, where these locusts are introduced. And, of course, this is prophetic language. It's a metaphor, uh, but it uh, has a very real fulfillment in history, as we've been talking about in the previous programs, and we'll come to again today. Verse 4 says, What the cutting locust has left, the swarming locust has eaten. And what the swarming locust has left, the licking locust has eaten. And what the licking locust has left, the consuming locust has eaten. Four different kinds of locusts here, Francis, and as we've seen, just to, to give our listeners who may not have heard the previous programs a little background, these four locusts are a clear uh, reference to the same four entities that Nebuchadnezzar saw in his great dream in Daniel chapter 2, and Daniel interpreted, showed the king that these four entities were the four great empires of human history, beginning with the Babylonian Empire, and of course Nebuchadnezzar was the Babylonian king at that time. Um, then uh, his empire was followed by the Medo-Persian Empire, which was then followed by the Grecian or Greek Empire, Alexander the Great, and finally the Roman Empire. And these four great human empires really represent the totality of human government. And these are the locusts that have constantly plagued and consumed and troubled Israel, aren't they? That is uh, the historic fact that we have to recognize and then actually can enjoy the aspect that God has worked through all of these things and even used them in their consuming. He still took advantage of that consuming and what they could do 
to afford him the way to accomplish his eternal purpose. Well, Francis, I think that's a good introduction. Uh, We'll join Witness Lee and then come back to fellowship on this some more. In Jules' book, the first principle is the consuming of the locusts. And who are the locusts? The locusts denote the human government, which has been lasting over 2,700 years and still going on. And this matter is just used by God to consume Israel. The locusts are the consumers, cutting, shrubbing, leaking, and consuming. On this earth, in this universe, there is such a thing, a consuming factor that has been lasting over 27 centuries and still it is going on. This is the matter of the nations. This is one principle. Then the other principle is that Israel is under the locust consuming. Also for that long period of time, 2,700 years. Always, whenever I consider this, somewhat I blame God. God, you are too much. You consume your elect for 27 days. That's okay. Right? Even for two years and seven months, it's also okay. I cannot understand why you are so patient. You would let your elect be consumed under a kind of consuming, yet never utterly consumed, just remain there to suffer the consuming of the locusts for 2,700 years. It's too long, God. Even this morning, standing here, I would say reverently, God, this is too long. I'd like to see the consuming be over. Do you think this is too long? Well, these are the two things in human history which have been going on for such a long time. Francis, these four uh, great empires that are typified in prophecy in the Old Testament in many places in Scripture, not just Daniel, where we had the great image with the four sections, the head, the you know, the chest and abdomen and then the thighs and finally the legs and ten toes. I think it's in Zechariah where we had the four horns also referring to these four great uh, empires in human history. And now in Joel, these four uh, types of locusts uh, representing the same uh, thing, foretelling human history. And in each case, these empires uh, wrecked a kind of havoc upon the nation of Israel. So it's it's impossible to deny, especially as we look at the Bible in a prophetic way, that God has used these uh, human governments, these human empires to discipline, to chastise Israel, and as we'll get into in the program as we continue, also to accomplish some things related to his purpose. But for now, let's focus on what really history has shown us, a real fulfillment of God's word. Well, of course, history shows us that these empires in history were always uh, troubling Israel. And Israel was going through century after century. Brother Lee pointed out 27 centuries that they went through uh, this kind of suffering under these governments. The Babylonian Empire, the Grecian Empire, the Medo-Persian Empire, and even the Roman Empire. All these empires are the locusts that have been torturing, I would say, or causing Israel to suffer. 
And uh, I think it's not a matter of their torturing. It's a matter of God's dealings because right. he was after accomplishing something through all of these experiences that Israel suffered. He was after producing something for himself. That brings us um, really, I think, to the more important focus of the program, not just to realize that there has been this historical fulfillment of a kind of a prophecy. I mean, Israel has been cut by the locusts. Israel has been uh, swarmed by the locust. Israel has been licked by these locusts, and Israel certainly has been consumed. Mm. But more than just seeing that kind of fulfillment in a historical sense, it's what was also afforded God in terms of the accomplishment of his purpose that we want to focus on for the balance of the program. And the first of these great items uh, we see in this next portion, and it really is the very coming of Christ, was made possible by the work of these locusts. Quite a view, isn't it, Francis? It's quite amazing to to see behind the scenes what was really going on in God's intention. Just to add a New Testament verse here to kind of put this in context, John 1, 14, and the word became flesh and tabernacled among us, and we beheld his glory, glory, as of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and reality. The incarnation of our dear Lord Jesus, that's the focus of this next portion. You know, Israel is very enduring. Israel is very everlasting. Uh, Which race on this earth has been continuously, without any stop, consumed for 2,700 years? Praise the Lord. We have to say, praise the Lord. Right. Praise the Lord for what? Listen. The factor of being consumed became the factor to consummate the divine incarnation. You know, the Jews, hallelujah, they are the factor to produce the incarnation. And the incarnation was to bring God into humanity, to make God Almighty God, eternal God, infinite God, mingled with humanity. This thing is too great. What thing is greater than this? In God's creation, one day, he came into man, and God himself mingled with man. So in the whole universe, there is a person who is the God-man who is both complete God and perfect man. That is the little Jesus. Don't you think this is the biggest matter that ever took place on this earth? God became man and stayed here and lived here. And he made his home in Nazareth for 30 years. How about this? Who brought this in? Tell me, who brought this in? The suffering factor. God put Israel under the locust to suffer their consuming. For what purpose? For the purpose to produce, firstly, Mary, and secondly, Joseph, to match Mary as her husband. For what purpose? For God to come into Mary 
and to be born through Mary. This is the biggest miracle, wonder in the whole universe. No wonder is bigger than this. Israel is used by God through this much suffering. For what purpose? Just for the purpose that God could be born out of man, to be a God-man. Francis, I love this view, this expanded view, to put God's plan into such a perspective. You know, in history, virtually every other people that has, you know, been subject to the kind of consuming pressure that has been applied to Israel, they've disappeared. You know, uh, many, many nations have just disappeared. Yet for 27 centuries, there has been this kind of endurance through all this suffering and consuming. And as a result, the Lord is able to bring forth Christ. We, he had to have Israel, didn't he, before Christ could be brought forth? That was God's intention, and that is what he worked through all of these very difficult situations with Israel to produce Mary and Joseph so he could bring forth a God-man. Yeah. God himself could be born into a human, and the result of that birth is a God-man living on this earth as you mentioned, for 33 and a half years. So, you know, the Lord in his uh, wisdom, in his plan, on the one hand is uh, chastising a stubborn and rebellious people that had left him and had gone about, as we saw in the previous book, Hosea, which Joel is somewhat a continuation of. Uh, Israel had joined herself to uh, other men, you know, uh, depicted as an unfaithful wife, even as a harlot, and surely deserving of God's uh, discipline and chastisement. Yet in his sovereignty, they're enabled to endure, and he never allows the destruction uh, to be utter and complete so that his purpose can be preserved. And these two, as you said, Mary and Joseph are uh, brought forth, and together they are able to bring forth the God-man, the incarnated God himself. What a marvelous view and a way to understand and interpret history. Christ was born in Mary, and this uh, was produced out of a rebellious people that God disciplined over so many centuries, and yet his goal was one, and to complete this, regardless of the situation, God would have a way to work himself into man so that he could be born a genuine man and yet be the complete God. God-man is a marvelous term to use to put for the name of Jesus. Francis, not only was uh, this incarnation of Christ an event alluded to, at least secondarily in Joel, but another event closely following of almost equal significance, and depending on your perspective, some would say of equal significance, was what happened on the day of Pentecost, Uh, this outpouring of this God-man now become the life-giving spirit in his death and resurrection upon all flesh. And Joel speaks of this in chapter 2, verses 28 through 32. And afterward, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions. Indeed, even upon the male and female slaves in those days, I will pour out my spirit. And I will show wonders in the heavens and on earth, blood and fire and pillars of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the great and terrible day of Jehovah comes. 
and everyone who calls on the name of Jehovah shall be saved. For in Mount Zion and in Jerusalem will be an escape, as Jehovah has said, even for the remnant whom Jehovah calls. So here we see this uh, outpouring of the Spirit which was partially fulfilled on the day of Pentecost. And, of course, that's when Peter, in Acts chapter 2, stands up and tells all of these amazed onlookers, this is that which was spoken of by the prophet Joel. But the final fulfillment of this really comes at the end of the age, doesn't it? That's right. The final fulfillment will come just as sure as the others have come to pass. So that will also happen. And that is that God has had a way to pour out himself as the Spirit on all peoples, even on the day of Pentecost, the record shows that were people from all nations right. were brought together at that time when God breathed the breath of life into his chosen people, and we became participants in the divine nature by God himself breathing the breath of life into all those people, including us, so that, as you mentioned, whosoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved, shall be regenerated. This matter of the breathing of the resurrected Christ, I should make clear, was on the day of his resurrection. But on the day of Pentecost, there was the pouring out of the Spirit on all flesh, represented there by all the Jews and the ones from the different parts of the world by that time. Now this pouring out was manifested by the speaking in other languages, but he poured himself out on all flesh at that time. All right, let's go back to Witness Lee Francis, and then we'll come back for some final comments. The aggregate of the human government, who has been the consuming factor for centuries, it is this factor that afforded all the things for God to live, to work, to walk on this earth. The Roman Empire afforded all the facilities. You think about it? So both are useful. God used the suffering factor to carry out his incarnation, and God also used the consuming factor to afford all the facilities. You know, to be crucified, you need a cross. (laughs) If there's no cross, how could you be crucified? You tell me, who prepared the cross. Peter did it. And Mary, the loving sisters, donated some money to buy the cross <laughs> that Christ could accomplish his crucifixion. Who afforded the cross? The consuming locusts. A bunch of locusts, and they were ready, and they paid the cost, and they prepared the cross, and they have also prepared the soldiers to keep a quiet situation and to put Christ on the cross. It's wonderful. So both the consuming one and the suffering one, they are all used by God. You think about it. My, humanly speaking, for the Jews to consider that the larger country, the larger nation, and be scattered everywhere, no home, wandering through all centuries, that's a tragedy. That's pity. But listen, under the Pentecost, after God has consummated all his processes, 
incarnation, human living, death, resurrection, ascension, this and that, right? God needed to pour himself out upon the human race, not just upon one people, but upon all the peoples, not only Jews, but also the nations. You have to notice that on the day of Pentecost, all the people, all the flesh were represented there. So many scattered Jews came back on the day of Pentecost to worship God at God's ordained center, Jerusalem. When they were gathered there, representing all the peoples on this earth, God proud himself. Who gathered all the people together? Roman Empire. Who afforded the gathering? Who accomplished such a big occasion that God can proud himself upon all the flesh? The uh, locusts. I'm glad to say this. Francis, in this uh, very interesting time, this uh, time of Pentecost, a Jewish festival, a Jewish feast, because there was an Israel, because in Israel there was a Jerusalem, and because in Jerusalem there was a temple, all of these scattered ones would come and be gathered so that in a kind of a representative way, God could pour out his spirit on that day upon all flesh. And that was made possible really because of the Roman Empire. The road system was built The modern society had advanced to the point where people could travel. There was transportation, gathering place. Again, a marvelous uh, picture of how God uses these things to accomplish his purpose. Yes, it is a marvelous thing to see that on that day, it was such a big celebration coming for the feast at the temple in Jerusalem that the representatives of all the peoples of the world actually were there because the Jews had been scattered throughout the world. Right. And they had been enlarged, you might say, so that many, many were ready to come to this time. And this was the choice time when the resurrected Christ, even the ascended Christ, now could breathe the breath of life into all these people. And he produced the church by this breath at the day of Pentecost. You know, you think about it like you made reference. uh, These scattered ones really had been scattered to the wind, and God's people Israel and the Jews had been merged into all of these cultures, all these uh, societies, and all these languages. And, of course, you know, one of the things associated with the day of Pentecost was the, uh, the, you know, the manifestation of these foreign tongues. And all these people said, as they were listening, and they heard the, uh, the disciples speaking in these tongues, and one another, as the Spirit was falling, they said, oh, that's my tongue. Those were recognizable languages from all of these diverse nations across the earth at that time, at least in history. So this was really a, a kind of gathering together of a representative of humanity, of human society, and all the peoples on the earth to receive the outpoured Spirit. And when you consider the whole story that we have here in Joel, you realize that could never have happened for all people to receive the breathing out of the resurrected Christ if they hadn't have been there on the day of Pentecost, represented by those that attended. Mm. So now we're the benefactors of all that the nations have done to prepare the scene and make the way open so that so many people could be there under this resurrected Christ breathing the breath of life into them. This was a marvelous accomplishment. 
Really so. And as you said, we are the beneficiaries uh, of all of this suffering, all of this consuming that has been going on for these 27 centuries. Now, as God's people in the New Testament, we get the real benefit. One thing we didn't get time to cover too much, we'll just refer to it in closing here, is that uh, as we read in these verses in chapter 2, there is a time when Israel does finally become freed from this suffering, this consuming Uh, And that is at the end of this age and a very real period of restoration, a restoration that will last a thousand years we know is coming. And uh, finally, Israel will be restored in a way where all that uh, was entitled to them as God's people in the Old Testament will eventually be realized and enjoyed by them. So we don't want to minimize this. We've really focused on these two other aspects regarding the incarnation and the pouring out of the Spirit, but there is a restoration coming as well, Francis. Yes, isn't it marvelous? God promised it, and it will certainly come to pass. It will come to pass. And Francis, we still have a number of programs to go on these minor prophets. And as always, uh, we invite you to come back and be with us and help us uh, enjoy these life study messages. They're really tremendous, aren't they? Thank you very much, Chris. Always happy to have this opportunity to be with you. We hope you'll uh, contact us as well to get the printed life study messages of the minor prophets. Uh, If you'd like to do that, call us toll free, 1-888-LIFE-STUDY, 888-543-3788. For Francis Ball, I'm Chris Wilde. Thank you very much for listening today. This program is brought to you by Living Stream Ministry, publisher of the ministry of Watchman Nee and Witness Lee. To find out more about these two 20th century New Testament ministers, we invite you to visit our website, lsm.org. There you'll find more than 600 titles from both authors available online. You can also listen to recordings of Witness Lee's spoken messages and see the full array of material that Living Stream has to offer. Again, that's lsm.org. Thank you for listening today.